hear what you have to say this morning, Greg. We want to hear what the Lord has put on your heart and you have our attention and through you that we would, we would hear from God this morning. Anoint him, Father. Give him words to say that carry power, Lord God, and anoint him to accomplish what you've determined before time for, for these very moments, Lord, charged with the potential of heaven, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as Greg preaches to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Rob. Good morning. I really just come here for the intros. Just, just, get, just feel good. And I feel obligated to share something for a few minutes, and I'll be back again next month for the intro. Um, no, it's, a, it's, it's a privilege to be here. And um, yeah, just to echo everything that Rob said, the, uh, the, the Bible Project stuff this month has just been, it's been so, so amazing. And it's, it sounds so simple, like a chapter a day, and that's it. And you think kind of, is that like, at the start, I was thinking I could probably do more than a day. Like I'm going to go above and beyond here to, you know, just I don't know who, who I was trying to prove myself to. But you know, if I'm anyway holy, I'll do more than one a day. And uh, but just it's something about the kind of slower pace and just taking time to read and to study a chapter in a way that um, I haven't done before. I've read Luke before and I've read I think most of the New Testament before. And and uh, but it's, it's it's just amazing how how the word is living and. You know, each time you read it, and that there's something, there's something that speaks to you. There's something that you didn't, that wasn't relevant to you before. That wasn't, that wasn't in the right season for you before. That stands out. And um, and this week has been no different. There's been a few things that that uh, have really spoken to me, and and that's what I'm going to share on today. So, um, I'm going to be speaking on the cost of following Jesus. Um, and so the, I'm going to start with reading from Luke 18. I'm going to go from verse 18 through to verse 30. It says, And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he told him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we've left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. One of the my favorite parts about this is like Jesus is laying this stuff down, and then Peter at the end is like, "Hey, hey now, like, don't forget that we gave up all this stuff. Like, you know, we're already doing what what you're saying." So I was reading this, and uh, you know, part of the what I was saying about kind of the the nice thing about going through slowly is that um, you can well, at least for me, I've noticed a few patterns of different things, and um, and. I don't know, again, I don't know why it, this stuff didn't stand out before, but just this week I've seen this pattern of uh, 
people making this sacrifice to follow Jesus. So there's there's a bunch of places, like in chapter 9, uh, where Jesus talks about um, giving up your life, um, those who lay down their life for his for his sake will be saved, will, will save it. Uh, and then when he's calling uh, his disciples, it says like a few times that they just they just left everything and followed him. He said, follow me. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go. And that was it. Everything everything left behind and they followed him. Um, people saying, he says to people to follow them. He's like, and they're like, yeah, I just need to go and bury someone. Let, let them deal with that. Or uh, just after that, come and follow me. It's like, yeah, just let me go and say goodbye to my family. Uh, anyone who looks back is not is not right to follow me. It's like what? Like this is a this is a high stakes game. Like you know you don't don't even get to say goodbye to the your nearest and dearest. Like you you have to leave everything that you've that you've built, everything that you've earned, every relationship that you've that you've uh, sown into, and um, you have to leave your grief. You have to leave all of this stuff behind and follow him. It's like that's that's a big ask. Like you know if. If uh, if Jesus walked in the door today and I hadn't seen him before, like I don't know who he is. Like if if I'm looking at the examples that are here, if a man walks up to you and says, "Follow me," and you're like, first of all, you're not going to be like, "Yeah, hold on, just let me say goodbye to everyone." You're probably going to be like, mm, "Yeah," uh, but then it's like even if you did know, like you're going to have a moment to go, uh, "Like what what does that mean?" Like. What what's the reality for me in that, and um, and it's it's almost difficult to think about because when when Jesus is calling us today to follow Him, it's not a physical like there's Jesus right there. I'm going to follow Him and I'm going to trek with Him around Israel and you know through all of these cities and towns uh, and physically leave everything. We get to stay where we are for the most part. Some people are called and that's you know that's different, but. Uh, well, it's the same. It's the same thing, but uh, you know, there's still a physical movement involved. But but for the mo- for most of us, we're we're left with this this choice of well, we're following him, but we're not leaving things in the same way as uh, as is talked about here. So so why does he? Why is it in the scriptures, right? Like if if it's if it's not applicable, then it wouldn't be there, right? If it's not if it's if there's not a meaning. For us today, then it wouldn't it wouldn't be here. So what is what is the reason? For, Rob mentioned my job, and uh, I work for a tech company, and we we work with U.S. clients a lot, and primarily with clients in the U.S. And um, there's been been some conversations in the last number of weeks about expansion and trying to. Uh, move into different markets and you know drive the business forward and stuff and um, I've been in this position where uh, I have two sets of expectations on either side of me I have one side which is um, all about kind of delivering on my day-to-day commitments and then this other side is uh, this this ask to help contribute to um, what we're doing to drive the you know the future of the company and I already have like the one on this side is already my full-time job, like, and I, I felt like I was just stuck in this this between these two immovable walls of expectation that I have I have my job here, but then I have this other job that's asking to be added on top here, 
and then I was getting home at the end of the day and uh, where my energy should be invested, which is with my family, I was like a zombie and I was like, my brain was just fried and um, it's just been, it's been a, a really, really challenging few weeks, um, especially this week, just gone. And uh, then reading these scriptures, I'm like, well, before I get there, my my default position is a fixer, right? I I want to fix things. My uh, my career started out I was a programmer, and so fixing stuff is kind of what I was doing. Like you you build something, and then you, for the most part you spend time fixing it and realizing ways that you that you didn't make it right the first time. Um, and so my my default position is to try fix stuff. So whether and this has caused me a lot of trouble over the years. Like whether it's um, uh, situations in work that that have come up conflict resolution and trying to fix stuff or I have an argument uh, with a family member and then I try to fix it and then usually that makes things work worse and worse um, and I, I heard this this phrase during the week that uh, that I'm trying to to be conscious of which is sympathy not solutions like when someone is is saying something uh, to me you know talking about a problem or something that they're not necessarily looking for me to fix it and uh so sympathy, be sympathetic, not try offer solutions. And so I'm trying to uh, be conscious of that. And even even in this situation, I'm trying to think, right, you know, I have these people who are my managers who are putting these expectations on me. Uh, but this time they are looking for solutions and I'm not feeling that sympathetic at all. <laughs> and uh, what I realized in reading this these scriptures this week is that how does this apply to me as well? I, there's there's something that I need to give up, and that something for me to that that needs to be left behind was my perception of of control, my perception of being able to fix fix this and to to change this. Um, and it's it's so silly when you think about it because I'm I'm trying to give up something that I don't really have in the first place to give up. Like I'm trying to. I, I'm thinking that I have control over this situation and I have the ability to to change people, right? And change how they do their jobs and how they perceive me and how they um, set their priorities and set their expectations. And all of this stress and all of the pain and um, exhaustion that was building this week. And it's like, you can't change, you can't change any of it. There's literally nothing that you can do that will change any of this stuff. Uh, and Jesus is saying, "Follow me, leave everything behind. Follow me." I'm like, okay, there's something, there's something here. And uh, do you ever like? I'm reading these things, and you know, the same message is jumping out everywhere. And it's like, oh, it's written on the wall over there. Oh, maybe there's something in that. And then it's written on that billboard. I'm like, oh, maybe the Lord is trying to speak something here. And then a stranger comes up and says something, and it's like. Yeah, oh, you know, that's maybe the Lord is saying, like, I need something written in the sky. It needs to be, like, audible voice, like, you know, thunder and lightning, and then maybe, maybe I'll think, like, okay, yeah, maybe the Lord is trying to say something here. And uh, that was what it was like this week. It was There was this pattern coming in, and I was like, okay, Lord, what, how, how, do, I, how do I leave this stuff? How do I, um, what does that mean? The other chapter that that stood out was was Luke 14, verse 25 to 
to 33. Sorry, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who, who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends his delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And the bit that struck me there was the the one about the king. So taking stock of what you have and comparing it against what you're facing. In this case, the analogy is is, is in war, going out with 10,000, knowing that you're being met by 20,000 and you have to make make a decision. What's, what's, uh, what's more important here? Am I going out to, kind of in, in my vain ego, to uh, to try win this, or am I going to count what the real cost of this will be and and go for peace? And what what I realized this week is in that in those examples and, and, and our reality is Jesus has more than we can ever have. And I just read in in, chap, in chapter eighteen in uh, verse twenty nine where it says that we'll receive more than we had even in the first place. And it's like it's it's almost like weighing up the cost of why we're not doing this. It's like I'm here and I have my stress and I have my job and I have this exhaustion and this pain and this whatever. And over here, there's Jesus who has peace and he has joy and he has rest. What scenario do I look at these two things and go, mm, I'm going to stay on this side. And yet that's what I was doing. That's what I was that's exactly what I was doing. I was like trying to fix, right? I was trying to solution something. I was trying to 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 get myself out and to uh to go to war with with something that was totally inadequate and totally not up to uh up to scratch. And and the reality was the one that I was facing, the one who's standing in front of me, looking at me, has everything that I need. And so what's the cost of following Jesus? It's 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 not really a cost. What's the cost of following Jesus is giving up the things that, that we think are important, that we think that we can solve, that we think we can deal with for not having to worry about that stuff at all. And even reading in like in chapter 9 where it's uh, where Jesus is t- calling people and he's saying, follow me. And, and they say, oh, I'll follow you, but I need to go and bury my father. And Jesus says, "Let the be- de- let the dead bury their dead." And there's a whole thing there about, uh, you know, about spiritual life and everything. But, but what if Jesus is saying, "Leave your grief behind, leave leave your leave your stuff. You don't have to carry that that anymore. Leave it. Come and follow me. Leave all that." And when he says. Uh, follow me, and and the person says, "Let me go and say goodbye to my family, or those that are in my house, say goodbye to my family." 
what if Jesus is is saying that I have, and and Jesus Jesus says uh, anyone who 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 puts their hand to the plow and turns back is not fit to follow me. Well, Jesus is not someone who breaks relationships. So what is he saying? That that he has more. That that when we turn and follow him, that we might think that we're leaving leaving our families and leaving everything behind. But but Jesus says that that uh, that we'll receive many times more than what we than what we think we're we're giving up. That he'll add to us. That he'll that he'll prosper us. It's so easy to carry our our past stuff, like to to uh, to let our past be, you know, impactful on our our present. Like, um, you know, like I said, that my my default thing is is to fix stuff. That's I don't know where that's come from. That's probably something in my past that I have to deal with somehow. I don't even know what it is. I need the Lord to try illuminate that to me so I can that He can work in it, but. I have a choice to to carry that with me and to keep allowing it to impact and to color my vision and to 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 uh to impact how I address situations or how I deal with stuff or or I can leave it behind. I can I can leave it behind and follow him. So we count the cost, count the cost of, of giving up everything that we have, everything that I have to the one who has it all and the one who promises more. We count the cost in keeping uh, all that we have and losing it or going after the one who, who promises to, to add to us. The uh, in, in chapter 12, 16, it's talking about this man who's who has this harvest so great that he has to he doesn't have space for it and he, he's like right i'm going to knock down all of my barns and i'm going to build new ones to put it all in so that it can fit and uh the lord calls him a fool and says uh that your soul is required of you tonight like what are you going to do with your barns like what are you going to do with all that stuff uh what's important or in in chapter 16 verse 19 where it's talking about the the rich man and Lazarus and Lazarus was sitting outside this fellow's house and and he had everything and Lazarus would would go for the scraps basically and they both die and uh and Lazarus is he he sees Lazarus with Abraham so Lazarus is in heaven and the rich man is like you know all of those possessions meant nothing in the end you know all of, and and yes the and the contrast is Lazarus who had nothing now has everything so really what is the cost What's the cost of not? That's that's what I that's what I'm struck with this week is what's the cost of holding on to our stuff? What's the cost of of not giving it up? Whether that's stuff in our past, like our you know, our grief, our pain, our past experiences, or whether it's uh possessions, whether it's your job or your family or your kids or your relationships. Or your 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 finances, or the stuff that you've strived for and that you've worked for. What's the cost of not giving that stuff up? The Bible says that that we lose it. That in the end, it doesn't matter. That uh, in, that one day, our soul is required, and everything that we've built is is 
for nothing. And I, I don't mean that to be like a, you know, what's the point in doing anything? But but the promise that that is made here is that when we give that stuff up, when we when we prioritize following Jesus over the stuff that we have in our lives, be the physical, emotional stuff, doesn't matter. When we prioritize Jesus over following that stuff, that that the Lord increases that stuff anyway. That the Lord adds to us in ways that we can't that we can't measure. That what does it say in verse eighteen? There is no one who has left all of this stuff for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more, both in this time and in the age to come. What a promise that is. That when we when we hand over the, when we hand it over to God, that we receive more now and we receive more in the age to come, in the kingdom. And so I'm gonna finish just in praying for us and praying over us and um for me this this week this has highlighted that that I hadn't that I hadn't given given up my job, that I hadn't handed that stuff over, that I was still holding that and I was still striving to build and striving to achieve and striving to um to make a name for myself and uh and that that was what that's what I'm handing up. That's what I'm leaving behind, and that's what I'm handing over. Is that God? You you gave me that job anyway. You know, you're the one who qualified me. You're the one who um, who sustains me. You're the one who shows me favor. You're the one who who opens doors and closes doors. So I give it all to you because I I'll just lose it anyway. You know, I can't I can't fix it. I can't change it. Um, so what are the things that 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 you need to let go? What are the things that you need to leave behind that when Jesus is standing in front of you and says, follow me, what's the thing coming to your mind that's like, but Lord, what about, or just let me, or maybe when I, we all have something that we can put in, put in the blanks. So let's, let's stand and let's pray. Um,